Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. She is chasing me either with a knife or a scissors threatening to castrate me is what I would say is the actual event. And it's very hard for me to explain that in a way that doesn't sound like child abuse, but it was not. I swear to God. I think everybody was laughing. I know it became a story that was never told as anything more than fun. <laughs> no, funny. Welcome to Your Mama's Kitchen, the podcast that explores how we're shaped as adults by the kitchens and some of the zany things we ate as kids. I'm Michelle Norris. For generations of Americans, Matthew Broderick will forever be known as Ferris Bueller, the lovable slacker who inspired countless teens to play hooky and skip school since his film, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, was released in 1986. But Matthew Broderick's career is so much wider than that. It spawned decades, both on stage and on screen. He began his career on Broadway when he was still in his teens, and he's a two-time Tony Award winner, known for his roles in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying and The Producers and so much more. He's appeared in a slew of popular films, including War Games, The Freshman, Glory, Election, and the remake of The Stepford Wives. And he's a prolific voice actor in animation, too. Yes, that was his voice as Simba in The Lion King and all those sequels. Most recently, he returned to the stage with his wife, Sarah Jessica Parker. They starred alongside one another in the Broadway production of Neil Simon's classic, Plaza Suite. Matthew was born and raised in New York City in a household of artists. In Matthew Broderick's family, the kitchen was where things happened. It was where friends gathered to read plays at the dinner table. It's where family dramas of the unscripted variety played out with intensity and theatrics. In this episode, we learn how that little kitchen in his fifth floor apartment in New York City has shaped Matthew Broderick as a man and as an actor. We will serve up all that and more. Matthew Broderick, I'm so glad to talk to you. Thanks so much for making time for us. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. This is a podcast that usually begins with an interesting question. We talk to people about the ways they are influenced by the food they ate as a young person, by the places where it was prepared or procured. You have lived in New York all your life, right? Yeah, Greenwich Village. I was born on 9th Street and moved down to Waverly, which is really 7th Street. So I, I migrated two blocks when I was about four. Well, let's talk about where you grew up. What do you remember about that kitchen? What did it look that like? Kitchen? Yeah, the kitchen that you, 
Well, I don't know. Would you remember the first or the second one? What, when you think about your childhood kitchen, which one do you remember? What did it look like? The second one. The, the first one I left when I was about four. So I that was very small. I do sort of remember it. It had a cookie jar that I remember and uh, a radio, but I don't remember it so well. The, the one I really grew up in, it was on Washington Square North on the fifth floor and, and in a very old apartment building. And the kitchen was in the back, like the window faced an alley. And down the alley, you could see the Empire State Building perfectly framed in the middle of the alley, which was cool. It had a uh, red linoleum floor, a round wooden table that you could eat in the kitchen, tiles along one side of the kitchen, which I guess used to be like an old-fashioned stove. There was an outlet for a chimney there, but that was no longer. There was an old dumbwaiter that didn't work. Hmm. Very scary-looking dumbwaiter in the corner. It was like a 19, turn of the century maybe, or a little later. You know, those cabinets with glass, they had windows on them, but they'd been painted so many times. You know, they look round. A sink, a stove, a refrigerator. That was pretty much it. And it was very active. A lot of people used it. And a little pantry next to it. That's where the fridge was with a little closet. And uh, eventually when we got, when we were doing a little better, when I was in my maybe 12 or so, we got a dishwasher, which was a huge improvement in our lives. And that was uh, in the pantry. And then we had a big surface on top of that where we would prepare our matzo with peanut butter. Wait, whoa, matzo with <laughs> peanut butter? <laughs> what? Well, what were you that doing? just came to mind. <laughs> there was always matzo for some reason, almost always. And there was always some skippy peanut butter. So I do remember slathering that onto uh, matzo after school. What was going on in the kitchen? Was it just cooking or was it just a, was it also a place where people gathered? I think they gathered, definitely cooking, but also cards. My parents would play, it was a round table in there. So that's where my mom and dad would play cards at night with other, another couple or, or friends would come over. So we'd be in bed or I'd be in bed and I could hear them talking and chatting, always in the kitchen at the round table playing a canasta or something like that. So there was a lot of activity at night in that kitchen too. And, um, Homework was done often at that table. It really was the center of, of the family. Uh, I left out also, my parents did do play readings at the house with friends sometimes. Oh, that must have been fabulous. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. And I got to read, usually I'd read a part and we would do, you know, the importance of being earnest or something. Whatever anybody was thinking about, we would... But wait, this sounds fabulous. Wait a minute, it wasn't a play that someone was working on? It was just like, let's just pull no, a play you, off a shelf for, and let's, let's yeah. do a table read? It was really, really fun because inevitably we didn't have enough people or... It wasn't all actors, you know? So you'd get to hear Charles Pratt, my mom's friend, very, very nervously read a part you know, bright red, sweating, absolutely terrified people just having to enter show business. So that was really fun and very charming. Like people were very good. People who were best at it in a way were ones who were not actors. Tell me about your parents. They were both in the business. My father was an actor and uh, my mom had met my dad. She was a playwright when she was younger and she met him at an acting school where she was studying playwriting and he was one of the actors. So um, he was from New Hampshire. His father was a letter carrier. He, so they grew up very different. My mom grew up near Park Avenue, pretty wealthy with her father. Her mother died young, but her father was wealthy. I think that was all gone by the time I got there. But um, they got that apartment when I was four. I don't know how many apartments they had before that. I have two older sisters. Mm -hmm. 
So you're the baby of the family. I'm the baby, yeah. Was the kitchen a happy space for you? Mostly. Yes, very happy. That's an interesting answer. Well, serious discussions happen in the kitchen too. You know, very serious. Um, It was the center of everything. I remember my sister shaking a bottle of something, like chocolate milk or something, and the lid came off and she sprayed chocolate milk all over the uh, large kitchen wall. That was very dramatic. I was very little. Now, was that an accident or was she having a moment? (laughs) (laughs) She said it was an accident, but there were moments too. But this one was an accident. But oh my God, there were definitely moments. There were screaming fights in that kitchen too. What were you all fighting about? Well, your parents were actors. You were probably very expressive. Yes, and, and I had teenage sisters, you know. Did they torment you? Not so, they were a bit older than me. They didn't torment me so much, no, but they tormented mom or she tormented them. But you know, the fights that happen between teens and their parents can be pretty serious. You know, some families suppress everything. Don't talk about everything. Don't talk about Mm -hmm. anything. And some families talk about everything. And that can lead to discomfort, but it also is a way to let a little pressure out of the pot. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that people are unhappy. They're just expressive. Yeah, I think for us, my mom was the expressive one and dad was pretty quiet. So, you know, mom would be the one who would be yelling or lose her temper or walk out or very dramatic. And dad mostly quiet until he would boil over. So that's very scary in its way too, you know, a parent who's uh, quiet and um, not telling you that they're mad at you until they're too mad. You know, I'm a parent now myself, so I look at this much more sympathetically than when I was the kid. I know how hard it is, so I am in no way criticizing my dad for that or my mom. But that's just how it was. She was like, she could get very mad at you and screaming, and then 20 minutes later, you'd be playing jacks with her in the living room floor. Like, didn't hold a grudge, you know? It wasn't like that. Whereas dad would just be like, something is wrong with dad. What's wrong with dad? And it would take a while till you would get some explanation. He was just in a mood. Give him some space. Yeah. But in New York, it's hard to give people space. (laughs) It's impossible. (laughs) That's why my mom would leave the apartment every now and then. I'm I'm leaving. And she would leave. But then you'd hear the buzzer, 45 minutes or so. The uh, door from downstairs buzzer. So she didn't even take her keys or her pocketbook. She just, I'm out. No. That's a good point. Because she didn't have keys if I heard the buzzer. But it could be a dramatic entrance. Could be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm back. Fix your face. Get it right. Here I come. Your parents were from different traditions also. Your mother's Jewish, Mm. your father's Catholic. Yep. How did that influence the things that were served in the kitchen, the culinary memories that you have? Yeah. Well, they're very different, Mm. um, those two. And then what I'm leaving out also is our housekeeper, Sally McFall, a huge influence in my life and raised me as much as my parents did, actually. So I have three cooking... uh, Well, I have more than three, maybe. I have my mom's kind of Jewish. uh, She could make matzo ball soup and chopped liver and Jewish things. But she was also kind of a gourmet type. She read cookbooks a lot. She was always interested in cooking. So she made sort of fancy things. My father made things, I guess, from New Hampshire and from uh, being an actor on the road a lot. A lot of them came out of a can. But he was very good at it. Like, he made delicious eggs, omelets, tuna salad, 
with massive amounts of mayonnaise and a, um, <laughs> a few dishes that people made fun of, but people loved. So those two, and then Sally, who was like, she could make Southern food. That's all she made when she first came to our home. Like, you know, lima beans, collard greens, roast chickens. She could cook anything. Coleslaw, carrot salad. But then she got very influenced by my mom and their cookbooks. So she was desperate to make a good matzo ball, which I'm not sure she ever achieved. But her cooking got more and more varied and really, really special. She made really good, this is too simple to be a recipe, but she broke off the ends of asparagus, how you do to get the tough part off. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people do this, but she peeled them about halfway up and then boiled them in a pan for like four minutes really fast. So they're bright green mm -hmm. and just olive oil and lots of salt. And they were incredible. She had a way of things simple like that that were uh, just perfect. You know, that is, a, that is a pro tip when you use the potato peeler to take the outside yeah. of the asparagus off because it's an entirely different flavor when you remove that, yeah. that sort of almost briny outer shell. Yeah, that's right. It becomes kind of nutty and was absolutely perfect. And easy to eat. You know, you're not getting the chewy fiber. And uh... So was Sally a woman of color? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to guess. The clue was probably collard greens and lima beans. But Oh, right, yeah. Sally McFall from North Carolina. Yeah, she lived in Brooklyn and came into the city and worked for us. Do you know if she's still alive? Have you kept in touch with her? No, yeah, we did keep in touch and she's not alive. Uh, she lived into her 90s, though. And uh, I never, ever lost touch with her. Even after I grew up and had my own life, she would come over once a week and cook. After that, she would just come and hang around. Well, you know, she got a little too old to cook and she'd still come uh, when my son was very little. She was always just always around. I, always, I never stopped knowing her. Does she influence you in some way? Is there some piece of her that lives inside of you? I think so, I'm sure. I mean, definitely with food. <laughs> um, absolute love and um, humor. She was funny and uh, she could tease you when you're little and get you very frantically upset. No, oh, no. What would she tease you about? <laughs> I don't know she would tease you as a child? What would she do? Well, I, not bad. You know, mm -hmm. she just, there's some story when I was little of her chasing me with a knife, laughing, saying, I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to cut it off. What it is, I'll leave for the uh, listeners. Uh, so it's hard to, that became legendary in our uh, our house. What uh, precipitated that? <laughs> I really don't remember. It was with humor. I want to make that very clear. We were both laughing. Were and, your parents uh, around when this was happening? No, they came home <laughs> in, into it, I think. Because um, that's why it became kind of a famous story. Wait, you have to back up. What, what would describe what was <laughs> happening? <laughs> she is chasing me either with a knife or a scissors, threatening to castrate me, is what I would say is the actual event. And it's very hard for me to explain that in a way that doesn't sound like child <laughs> abuse, but it was not. I swear to God. I think everybody was laughing. I know it became a story that was never told as anything more than fun, <laughs> funny. But she was she was a great person. I miss her. She was uh, just very curious about everything. New foods. She liked to draw. Anything new. She wanted to hear about my children. She wanted them to tell about their lives. She was very, very curious about everything. She must have been very proud of you. I think she was, yeah. She, uh... If I did a show, she'd always come, even when she was quite elderly, you know. And it was hard for her to get in and get to the seat and everything, but she still always did it. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Audible original, Your Mama's Kitchen. Like what you're hearing? The next episode is available now, exclusively from Audible. Visit audible.com slash kitchen and hit the follow button for the latest episodes each week. You can listen to new episodes on Audible two weeks before you can hear them anywhere else. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. I love to be able to cook in a kitchen and have a good meal with the people I care about all around me. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen at a big island. And we were able to all get in and do our thing together and sit down in the adjoining dining room and have a long loud meal and then clean up afterwards and continue the conversation. I loved being able to do that and Airbnb allowed that to happen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. Hosting your home on Airbnb is a great way to make some extra money. It's very practical as a side hustle. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to try to lift up your game? I know, I just got a new tennis racket. It's one of those newfangled things that's supposed to put a little bit of extra sauce on the ball. And it makes me want to spend a little bit of extra time on the court to perfect my backhand or work on my volleys. Here's the thing. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Available dynamic sky panoramic glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Available 33-inch all-terrain tires. Available multi-terrain select. With all of these options, you can travel in style and comfort in the city or off-road. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So we know that athletes learn how to eat when they're training for a big match or a big race, but how do actors learn how to eat when they have a big run of shows on Broadway? 
It took some time for Matthew Broderick to understand how much his father shaped the way he himself ordered his steps as an actor and how so much of that influence sprang from the memories inside that tight little kitchen where the Broderick family spent so much of their time. I want to go back to the kitchen if I could, because your parents were both in the business. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if they taught you how to eat well as an actor. If there's certain things that you have to do to maintain stamina, to protect your voice. I'm wondering about like a Broadway diet because of the tempo of the day. You're many times doing two shows a day. You probably finish late at night. You're ravenous. But if you eat too much, then you don't sleep. And then you have bad dreams. And then you have puffy under your eyes. And then how do you eat for the work that you do? And did you learn that from your folks? I don't know that I learned what to eat so much, except I learned what to eat because of what they liked. And I liked that. My dad, who had been on the road a lot, he was like, you need a cast iron pan, chef's knife. He had a box. He traveled with that? Yeah. He always had it ready so he didn't have to like put it together. You know, a fry pan, uh, some kind of pot to boil things and uh, a spatula, you know, a wooden spoon. He liked to feed himself. You know, he didn't like to always eat out or anything. He liked to uh, be self-sufficient and he had it down to a science. I try to emulate that. When you take on a role, you have the box of stuff that you bring so you can cook for yourself? pretty often I'll rent a place that already has it because I'm not as broke as he he was. But uh, his organization and his ability to feed himself on the road definitely rubbed off on me. I'm very into that. You know, if I'm going to be somewhere for two months, I'm going to have stuff in my refrigerator, stuff to cook it in. I do not like to constantly go to the diner on the corner or room service or any of that. I really like to feed myself. And I think I got that from my dad. So you're you're a cook? I am a bit of a cook, yeah. I've heard that about you, that you actually cook quite well. I enjoy it. You know, I get better. I, I love it. My wife's a good cook too, so we like to cook. My kids too are starting to cook. And the Broadway or stage eating is really difficult, particularly as I get older. Like eating a big meal at 11.30 at night and a martini when you're 21, 22, you can do that. You get away and then you sleep until noon and then you pop out of bed and, you know, you're fantastic in your play and everything's fine. But uh, for an adult, there's like nothing worse than eating a big meal that late. Everything's messed up. And also you don't want to be full before a play. So you have to eat at, say, five for an eight o'clock show. So now you're definitely going to be, if you're me, starving after that show. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to eat after the play then I have to stay up late because I can't go to sleep full or also with all that adrenaline. So a play requires you to turn into a two in the morning, three in the morning person, if you're me. And that's very hard with a family. So plays are are really kind of a pain when you get older and have a family. So when you eat at 11 o'clock, what do you make yourself? That I might be out with friends because what I've not gotten good at, which I would like to get good at, is to finish a play, run home, and start to decompress. If somebody's come to the show, I'll go out with them. I tend to want to be with people and be told how great I was for about 45 minutes. <laughs> then I go home. So, uh, Your dad must have been some kind of cook if he traveled when he yes. went to work on the road with a box with his own skillet and spatula and wooden spoon. So is right. there a recipe from his repertoire that you would like to share with us also? Yes. Now, I want to preface this. He could make very good omelets and... Uh, 
steak. He could, he was a good cook, but this is something that he must have learned from his New Hampshire roots or something. I don't know that my sister really loved. And I, all I remember is everybody making fun of him for this, but, uh, it was instant mashed potatoes that was spread out on a plate. Mm-hmm. Just the flakes or uh, actually no, the, you'd already reconstituted it. Okay. You know, you'd cooked it with water or whatever you do. Then he flaked salmon out of a can on okay. top of the potatoes. All right. Then canned peas were put on that. Then, according to my sister, and I do not know how this could be done successfully, he would put mayonnaise <laughs> on top of that. So why that wouldn't collect the peas and put them to one side, I can't imagine. So Wait, I was feel this, like was this baked then? I believe it was then presented to the child. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, she said we would eat it and make roads, you know, with our fork. So it was fun to make a road through the mayonnaise, instant mashed potato, pea and salmon dish. So there's my recipe for your family, everybody. <laughs> Did this recipe have a name? <laughs> I don't know the name of it, but good luck getting the mayonnaise on top of the peas. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do that. Well, and, and you attribute this to New Hampshire. This is New Hampshire cuisine? Well, that's where he's from. I mean, it must be. Well, sometimes dinner is what we have in the cupboard. Yep, absolutely. And, and that may have been a... Yeah, that doesn't sound like something where you go make a special trip to get the peas. <laughs> in the... <laughs> was it, do you have fond memories of this beyond making roads in the peas or was it, was it good? I don't remember it being my favorite, but my sister says she loved it. And what I really remember is my mom looking down on that dish and making fun of it. But uh, my sister says it was very popular. Okay. I guess I was pretty little. I don't remember it as well as she does. But It, um, it may have worked its way out of the rotation by the time you I got think it older. did because I remember it when I was maybe four, but not after. <laughs> Do you think that you, as someone who chose to be an actor also, mm-hmm. was influenced in some way by some of the dramas that you saw inside your kitchen, which were unscripted. Yeah, uh, I'm sure I was. I mean, when the dramas are unfolding, it's not like I'm thinking, oh, neat, I can put this in a play someday. You know, I'm more like, oh, God, the world is ending. But I'm certainly, those are very powerful influences. Uh, and there's situations, if I'm doing a play or a movie where I will remember, something will remind me and I'll remember things that I thought I'd forgotten often about my own family or and in the kitchen. So it's definitely an influence. And a lot of why I became an actor probably is from watching my, going to the theater and watching him rehearse and, and TV. Yeah, my dad, yeah. And uh, what I really liked most was the atmosphere. I liked to be backstage and with my comic books and either watch the play or sometimes just hang out in the room. I just liked the feeling at a theater. It took me a long time to decide I wanted to. And once I started working, they were both just enormously supportive, My very much so. My father talking about every moment in the play I was in, my mom too, helping me read scripts, decide. They were extremely supportive. In that kitchen of yours where lots of things happened, including some family dramas, is there a particular scene that you remember where you called upon something that happened in your kitchen, and that gave you the right emotion, the right intonation, the helped you hit the emotional note that you needed to hit in that scene because you remembered, you conjured up something 
that happened in your kitchen when you were young? I remember when I was pretty young, I might have used this. It's minor, but we had a light fixture over the kitchen table, you know, a white glass bowl, you know, with a bulb. And it fell and shattered and cut Sally. Sally McFall. Yes, who was cooking. And it slid her hand open and uh, bled. I have used that, the fear I had and the suddenness of it. You could be chatting and happy and relaxed and watching somebody chop. She chopped beautifully, by the way. And uh, suddenly somebody's bleeding. And uh, she was perfectly fine, by the way. I was probably had to go to the emergency room. But, you know, she put some paper towel on her hand and, and masking tape because we never had Band-Aids or anything that really She used masking have had. tape? <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I know in my home, when you would cut yourself, there would be a mad search for something related that might cover a cut. There's another story of me falling out of a carriage and my parents coming home to see that I had been taped up with toilet paper and, <laughs> and uh, tape. Because no one on could find head. a band-aid. I have a, still have a scar, yeah. <laughs> they dropped me out of my stroller, her and her friend, and then taped me with toilet paper. I, I remember a really sad time when my dad was not well and I was alone with him in the kitchen and he was had to stop to get his air and energy back. And I remember him standing by the sink, kind of holding himself up, just very weak. I was alone. I was sitting at the kitchen table and he was standing by the sink. And I just remember the uh, sadness of that and the kind of loneliness. I felt lonely, lonely for him, I guess. Mm. You know, I was growing up and here he was not well. And uh, so that happened in the kitchen too. So there's a lot of sad things in that kitchen, truthfully. And a, and a lot of joy, too. Is that part of acting, though, is when you're called upon to, you have to go through some sort of mental filing system. And loneliness, yeah. joy, you know, all yes, the emotions is. that you go through and you have to figure out where am I going to, how am I going to conjure this emotion? Yeah, it is. And uh, those are two that I've thought of before. You and your wife both have deep roots in New York. And New York has mm. its own rhythms and its own flavor and food is it's, it's it's just different in New York than it is really anywhere else. Having yeah. been a lifelong New Yorker, how is the kitchen that you and your wife Sarah put together, Sarah Jessica Parker, how is that influenced by the kitchens of your youth? Have you created an entirely new space or are there things that you recognize now? Oh, that's why I keep the olive oil there. Or that's why I do this. Right. Um no, it is. It's a, it's a combination of both of ours. We both are a little... You would never see, like, American cheese or a yodel in my house. It was very... A yodel? Is that like well, a like a ding-dong? Like a... Yeah. What I mean is we didn't have normal, like, American food like my friends might have. You didn't have that we in your had, childhood kitchen? Not really. We had, like, some fancy salami from somewhere and just a little... Uh, your parents didn't believe in snacks. No bugles. No potato chips. No, no not much of that. No not sugary Cap'n Crunch cereal or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe that. And the matzah, as I said. But I think sweet cereal like that was frowned upon. And I was always jealous of friends who had a big cupboard filled with bugles and Doritos, cheese whiz. But we didn't have any of that. Or soda. So have you created that kind of kitchen in your own house or did you decide that my kids are going to have Doritos and... Uh, I think we have more unhealthy food 
we have mostly very healthy food. I don't, we have this, usually some bags of chips going in my house. There's some corn chips or potato chips. There's something open that you can stick your hand in most of the time. And that would not have been at my wife's home either. Her mom was very against that sort of thing. Was that, were they against it? Were both your parents against it because it was not healthy or because particularly for your parents, were they trying to remain thin and fit because that's what their job required? Well, I always thought it was because it was unhealthy, but now that you say it, I'll bet you anything, they didn't want to have it around for themselves because they wanted to be thin and fit. I'm sure of that. I know my dad wouldn't want that to be. He was always struggling to not get heavy. So uh, there were foods that I think they just didn't want around all day. Yeah, I'm sure of that. I never really thought of that until you told me, but yeah. So earlier in the show, you heard that, shall we say, interesting recipe for that concoction that Matthew's father used to make, that dish with the instant mashed potatoes and the canned salmon and the peas and all that mayonnaise. Well, it turned out Matthew's sisters dared him to share that recipe, and he did. And you listeners can decide if you want to try that in your own kitchen. But I know that for Matthew and his wife, Sarah Jessica Parker, the food and all that goes into preparing it is a very important part of their lives. So I wondered if there was something else that he wanted to share, something that to him tastes like home, something that people might actually look forward to making in their own kitchen that maybe didn't involve mayonnaise. I'm wondering if there's a recipe that you might want to share that tastes like home to you. What tastes like home? Well, there's many that I don't really remember how they were made, unfortunately. Ratatouille that Sally made that was incredible and I've never been able to duplicate. It was very oily and spectacular. Tell me about it. What was so delicious about it? Well, it had the right amount of eggplant that was cooked. It wasn't blubbery or watery somehow. Tomato, zucchini, garlic. I don't know why I loved it so much. She'd make big pots of it, and I do not know how she made it. So I can't give you that recipe. It was very cooked. I've made some from recipes that come out more fresh, you know, or less turned into a kind of compete, you know, it like got very gooey. Well, ratatouille is hard because sometimes you have individual vegetables, usually nightshade vegetables that can still have so much of a crunch that it has more of a minestrone feel than a ratatouille feel. Yes. Hers was not crunchy. And I know from making it myself that, you know, the trick is to cook all these things the amount of time that each of them you don't just throw it all in. Right, Most right. recipes, you have to... And you that's have to salt your eggplant to get some Yes, of the... always did that. So I listened to you describe that ratatouille recipe, Sally's ratatouille, and, mm-hmm. and your voice had music in it. We're going to figure out how to get you a killer <laughs> recipe for ratatouille. Oh, I love that. That would be great. It'd be wonderful. I have loved talking to you. This has been a lot of fun. Me too. Thank you for making me remember all this stuff. It's fun for me. A lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thank you. Was it just me, or could you hear just how much Matthew's childhood housekeeper, Sally McFall, and her cooking still cast a spell over him, even after all these years? It's like sorcery. And when it's something really special, you can spend a lifetime trying to catch that flavor even just one more time. 
Sometimes on the show, we help people find that roadmap back to a recipe they love. And let's do that for Matthew Broderick. Let's help him find a recipe for ratatouille that will make him swoon. If you have a recipe for ratatouille that sounds something like that sumptuous dish that Sally McFall used to make for Matthew Broderick's family all those years ago, we'd love to hear from you. In fact, I'd like to hear from you because this conversation has me hankering for a delicious bowl of that perfect medley of zucchini, eggplant, bell peppers, and tomatoes. Share your recipes, share your techniques, and perhaps help settle the debate about whether in ratatouille the vegetables should be chopped or sliced. It seems like there's some strong opinions on this. So roll by my Instagram page and use the hashtag Your Mama's Kitchen to show us your version of ratatouille. Thanks for listening to Your Mama's Kitchen. I'm Michelle Norris. See you back here next time. This has been a Higher Ground and Audible original produced by Higher Ground Studios. Senior producer Natalie Wren, producer Sonia Tun, and associate producer Angel Carreras. Sound design and engineering from Andrew Epen and Roy Baum. Higher Ground Audio's editorial assistants are Jenna Levin and Camilla Thurdikus. Executive producers for Higher Ground are Nick White, Mukta Mohan, Dan Fearman, and me, Michelle Norris. Executive producers for Audible are Zola Mashariki, Nick D'Angelo, and Ann Hepperman. The show's closing song is 504 by The Soul Rebels. Editorial and web support from Melissa Baer and Say What Media. Our talent booker is Angela Peluso. And special thanks this week to Jimmy Parr with Parr Audio Studios in Martha's Vineyard. Head of Audible Studios, Zola Mashariki, Chief Content Officer, Rachel Giazza. And that's it. Goodbye, everybody. See what we're serving up next week. Copyright 2023 by Higher Ground Audio, LLC. Sound recording copyright 2023 by Higher Ground Audio, LLC. Higher Ground. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to try to lift up your game. I know, I just got a new tennis racket. It's one of those newfangled things that's supposed to put a little bit of extra sauce on the ball. And it makes me want to spend a little bit of extra time on the court to perfect my backhand or work on my volleys. Here's the thing. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Available dynamic sky panoramic glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Available 33-inch all-terrain tires. Available multi-terrain select. With all of these options, you can travel in style and comfort in the city or off-road. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code 
code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.